Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Kip Herridge here with your daily VRA Investing Podcast. Hope everyone had a great day today. Got some interesting things to uh, talk about today. Uh, kind of a yo-yo market here. Dow Jones finishing up today, 236 at 34,814. Starting to see our major index is now beginning to hit oversold levels that have meant a buying opportunity for almost the entirety of the last 18 months or so. Uh, not quite there yet across the board, but we are getting there. And um, let's talk about the markets first, and I'm going to tell you what we see for stocks, for bonds, precious metals, energy. We show this for our clients this morning and cryptocurrencies. And, uh, and a couple of interesting things we saw as well that, said, that tell us that this week could mark the lows for the markets into the end of the year. Uh, but anyway, Dow Jones again, up 236 today. Our leader on the day was the Russell 2000, who's now hitting heavily oversold on our momentum oscillators. Well, Russell 2000 has been a, really been a, a tough uh, index to figure out. Has its small caps really been hard to figure out. All the liquidity has been in the big, big cap names, the mega, tech, mega cap tech names, of course. Really about 10 companies that have led the way. But boy, you talk about a group that's ready to go. That's the Russ 2000, small caps. Today, again, up 1.1%. NASDAQ, up eight-tenths of 1%, up a big 123. And SP 500, up uh, just more than, actually, the Dow, up eight-tenths of 1% at 4480. Um, until today, we had four straight days of a higher open that was sold into. Today was a bit of a pattern change. Uh, we saw a little volatility open, a move lower, and then boom, we're off to the races again. We closed not at the highs of the day, but very solid close today. Uh, this is this is the action you want to see. The internals were better today. Not as good as yesterday's were bad. But folks, remember, we are in the worst month of the year. All right, that's certainly been playing out so far. Uh, we've yet to see the internals show any real signs of consistent improvement. That's required for a solid move higher to uh, to really to kick in. And, uh, you know, when you got a base decline and up-down volume, three-to-one negative, that was yesterday, uh, that's just not, that doesn't build a lot of confidence in people that, that watch this, the foundation of the market like we do. But on the plus side, the semis were up yesterday. I believe the semis all-time high again today. Let me just double-check that. Um, yeah, well, not quite. You know what? A point away. We're talking about really at all-time highs. Um, and again, semis lead tech, tech leads the, the, uh, the market. So very good there. And the fear and greed index is down to 31. 31! <laughs> fear! It is really insanity. And it's not just the fear and greed index, folks. Really, when you dig into these other sentiment indicators that people say they, they don't follow fear and greed because it's not a pure uh, investor sentiment survey, you dig into the others, you find the same thing. Investors have had one foot out of the door of this bull market for 18 months from the lows of coronavirus insanity, March 23rd, 2020. And every time we have a sell-off, here we go again, right? People get panicky, put call ratio starts to scream higher, and all it takes is a couple of days. Not that I don't understand it, completely understand it. This has been a truly fucked up market, okay, for a long time. It's been a screwed up world for a long time. Last 20 years have been the worst 20 years in American history, not a close second, by the way. And the last 18 months, well, I mean, come on, right? When coronavirus insanity, all of the all of the bizarre things we're seeing happen, even today. I just got to say, you know, when <clears throat> our powers that be won't answer a couple of questions, won't answer a couple of questions about coronavirus when they're trying to force these jabs on us with the jab police, you know, um, I mean, how many people are, are, are getting jabbed just to keep their job? I mean, that's a whole other story. It's not that I don't understand that pressure. 
We all got bills to pay. We got families that depend on us. I understand it. But just how evil and twisted is that? If they just answer two questions, maybe we'd all feel a little bit better about getting uh, the coronavirus shots, right? Question one, why exactly? Are you uh, saying that uh, if you're a part of the, uh, if you're in Congress or you're with the U.S. Postal Service or now the NBA, if you're a player in the NBA, you don't have to take the jab and you get to keep your job. But the rest of us, right, the hundred million or so of us, the, the, the lesser, right, the, um, the smelly part of the country, right, why, why are we being forced to do it? But, 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 our, but our elites, right, rules for thee, not for me. That's question number one. Here's the other question. And this is one that they can't answer. They cannot answer this because they know that the answer gives away the risks present in these experimental vaccinations, therapeutics, whatever they really are, uh, uh, gene-enhancing uh, uh, <laughs> uh, treatments. Um, the question is, <clears throat> why exactly did the CDC stop tracking uh, coronavirus breakthrough uh, breakthrough cases, right? The, you've been vaccinated, and now you get coronavirus. You've been vaccinated, now you die. You've been vaccinated, now you're in the hospital, right? Cases hospitalizations and deaths. The CDC stopped tracking these on May the 1st. Why would they do that? Now, why in God's name do you think they would do that? The answer, of course, is the fact that they won't answer it. That's the answer. That's the tell, right? Because we know from all the other data we're seeing, because there are still about 15 states that do track this information. And we know from those states that anywhere from 30 to 50% plus of people in the hospital now have been fully vaccinated. So they're a real risk. Right. There's real downside with these vaccinations. And by the way, I think it's pretty clear now that the vaccinated are the super spreaders. And I hate to I hate to say I know I know a lot of you listening to this. I'm sorry. But you know what? We don't we we don't pull our punches here, man. We just don't. This is this is uh, (laughs) I pissed off a lot of people of my lifetime in my family, folks, my family. uh, Trust me, Uh, just because I, I, I call things like I see them. And that's because I do the research. And I think the research stands. So I'm not, why would I be intimidated uh, from, 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 uh, from speaking my mind about what my research shows, right? So that's just why you're always going to get that from us. Um, I understand people being vaccinated. It's a personal choice. I have no problem with that at all. It's the way it should be, right? It's the way it should be. It's when other people start telling me that I have to do what they've done. That's when we have a problem. That's why we've amped it up recently. We told you we were going to do this a few months ago. If they started getting more aggressive about these mandates and passports, they did. So we have. So we, you know, we've got to, we got to, we have to speak our mind because some people can't or just won't, or they're afraid they'll be fired or ostracized, and they just don't want the drama, you know. And and I happen to, uh, I happen to thrive off that kind of stuff because the truth is sometimes controversial, like it or not. Um, but anyway, let's get back to the markets today because we said this a long time ago, coronavirus insanity is over with. Look at the football stadiums, right? Look at the Met Gala, you know, everywhere you look, you know, people are, the masks are gone. You know, it really is over. That means forced vaccinations are over. This is a big stick. They're not going to follow through with these threats. They're just not. There won't be airplanes in the air. There won't be nurses and doctors to treat you in the hospitals, folks. There won't be NBA players, right? You won't get your mail delivered. So if you haven't been vaccinated and you're worried about your job, you know what? That's a concern you don't have to have. Might be a little bit different if you're in the healthcare industry, 
but sometimes you got to be ready to take a bullet, you know, to stand up for your principles. So, um, again, it's always per- personal decision, personal choice. Uh, back to the markets. Uh, today, also, I think what's interesting here is what we're seeing take place now in some of the areas that we've been most focused on. I'll just tell you straight up, folks, we are uh, we haven't changed our mind on this at all. We are in Obama's third term. This is Obama's third term, uh, but just worse than, you know, because Biden is just, I mean, he's a sock puppet of a president. So, you know, he's whoever these uh, permanent ruling class decision makers are, uh, we're seeing how awful decisions are made. We're seeing the danger of big government right in front of us. This is what Reagan warned about. You know, big government is not the answer. It's not the solution. It is the problem. And we're seeing that amplified now. So the point being, from an economic and investment point of view, take it to the bank, folks. Slower growth is happening. It's already underway. Doesn't mean we're going to a recession. We're not, because we have way too much stimulus. And the QE can't stop. All right, lower rates will continue. This is the financial engineering that we are in. Love it or hate it, this is it. QE infinity is here to stay. That's going to keep the markets melting up, we believe. But again, you have to understand that the market is not the economy. Uh, our view is the Dow Jones is headed to 100,000 plus. It's going to happen in about five, five and a half years. And that there's a lot of money to be made in this market. This rival, this melt-up will rival uh, the dot-com melt-up from 1995 to 2000. Uh, you got to remember, folks, I've, I, I lived it. You know, I lived it. I took three companies public during that time frame, helped to, they weren't my companies, helped to take them public as venture capital investment banking work I did. And um, bottom line is that this is that market. It just is. But, but see, we didn't even have what we have now. Back then, we didn't have $32 trillion in, in unprecedented fiscal, global liquidity, you know, government stimulus and, and monetary stimulus, central bank and government debt. We didn't have $32 trillion back there. We do now. There is no alternative. It's TINA. It's FOMO. It's fear missing out. All of this is combining to give us the opportunity of a, of a, of a melt-up like we've never had before. And it's some of the basic things you know already. Don't fight the tape. Don't fight the Fed. But all of these things, Tina, FOMO, right? They're all staring us right in the face. They're really screaming at us. You must own stocks. Because where else are you going to make any money? I mean, you can still make money in cryptos, obviously. I'm not saying there aren't other areas in real estate and housing, of course. But I'm saying that uh, most people invest their retirement funds in the stock market. That is what most people do. And that's just not going to change. And as the economy continues to grow, and it is growing, more and more money will drive into stocks because as rates go lower and lower, again, you, you don't have a choice. You know, there is no alternative. Uh, also, corporate earnings. We've been, saying, we've been on this for a long time. Uh, corporate earnings are, are, are still being vastly underestimated. You know, we've, uh, we've had – the last two quarters have been insanely great. And people are discounting that and thinking that's over. It's not over. These uh, 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 economic uh, cycles, so we're in a brand new economic cycle, we're a bullish one, uh, last on five years plus on average. So we've got corporate earnings that won't peak for about five years. That, again, markets don't re- begin to reverse until earnings top and begin to reverse. So <clears throat> uh, bonds, again, you know, it's, it's crazy when you talk about interest rates because so many people, the vast majority, of economists say that there's just no way. There's just no way that rates go lower. Rates must go higher because they're going to taper uh, and they're going to ultimately uh, uh, slow down QE and then stop QE. Really? When, when's that going to happen? Um, because any, I guarantee you this. When they started tapering process, the first 10% correction we have, 
They won't be talking about reversing the taper. They'll be talking about adding more quantitative easing. This is the financial engineering we're talking about that's here with us to stay, we believe. And just when you have the majority of PhD economists are always saying one thing and they're all saying higher rates now, just go the other way. PhD economists, the vast majority are employed by the Fed. They speak with one voice, and that is the reason why they want to get invited to those parties. They certainly want to be, stay on their payroll, and they want to be considered one of the cool guy economists. Because let's face it, there, there, there are no cool economists. If you, if, you, if you have an economist that's cool, you know what? You're, you're looking at somebody that's a marketing uh, genius. And that's not what you want out of an economist. But they all see an opportunity here with this new world of, of financial engineering. The fact that our central bankers are and the new masters of the universe, they want to be part of that club. You can't blame them, but it's human nature, but know what it is. So that again, rates have fallen for 40 years. That's a pretty powerful repeating pattern. We're also very bullish on precious metals. I, I won't cover all this today, but you know we love physical gold and silver here. Uh, we think that, uh, well, this is, by the way, the most... Seasonally speaking, this is when you want to own precious metals and miners now to to end of the year. And we think this is going to be a a multi-year bull market. But uh, again, you always have to worry about manipulation in this group. But mining stock with inflation we have going on, that's not going to stop. The mining stocks are the place to be. Uh, And finally, uh, and I'll I'll spend a minute minute on this in a bit on cryptocurrencies. Uh, Interesting, I'll go ahead and tell you now, Bitcoin back above, it's at 48,000 right now. Now, back above his 200-day moving average, uh, yesterday flashed a golden cross buy signal. Hugely bullish technical event. High probability technical event. And uh, the golden cross is the 50-day moving average, crossing over the 200-day moving average. Again, that happened yesterday in Bitcoin. And uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's probably why it's one of the reasons at least Bitcoin's up excuse me, $1,200 right now at 48000 The The 200-day moving average is just below 46000 it's been right, you know, it's been tracking with the 200-day for some time. It's really important that we, um, it's really important that, that we stay above that 200-day uh, because you get a failure here again, and I think you're going to see some uh, some more selling come out. Um, all right, let's take a look today at our internals again. Better today, not great. Better, but not great. Uh, what do we see here? Quick refresh. Let's call it, uh, let's call it two to one positive advanced decline. Not quite there on NASDAQ. We'll round up a little bit. Two to one positive. Again, three to one negative yesterday. Volume today. Volume yesterday was three to one negative or better. And today, volume was two to one positive. So again, good, but not as good as yesterday was bad. And we also had today, what is that? Really about, uh, Boy, just barely. We, we'll call it flat, really. 52-week highs and lows, we can call it flat today. But still, this is a win. It was a positive day uh, for our internals. And our sector watch today, of our 11 S&P 500 sectors, 10 finished higher, led to the upside by, got to be energy, right? Yeah, energy up 3.8%. Uh, industrials up 1.1%, uh, blah, blah, blah. 1% across the board pretty much. Utilities just down fractionally. Not even worth counting. Uh, the tenure was up a little bit today. But again, it's not. Uh, that's not going to continue. And uh, Commodity Watch. Gold. Uh, every day. Every day. It's either 1800 or within 10 or 20 bucks, right? 1794 Down 12 today. Silver. Uh, quiet. Down 3 cents an ounce at 23.85. Copper. Up, uh, up a nice 2% today. Up uh, at $4.40 a pound. Oil today, here's the story. Tyler talked about it yesterday uh, as he covered a nuclear and as he covered what's happening globally with uh, these uh, insane, 
<laughs> climate change uh, freaks, really, is what they are. But they're really more than that. You know, that's, that's denigrating. But what they really are is the globalist elite, right? The, the depopulationists, the great reset crowd that wants to do away with fossil fuels because they understand how many people that's going to kill. And I mean, how, how sick and twisted is this? But folks, again, we need more people that are going to just call it what it is. You know, that's the one thing you have to give credit to the left for, you know, and to these, uh, to these uh, uh, megalomaniacs uh, in like the Great Reset crowd, right? And the uh, Bill Gates of the world. They don't really make it a secret what they really believe there should be fewer people on planet Earth. Right? And, uh, and these are the same people behind climate change, the same people behind coronavirus insanity. They're telling you straight up what they believe. And we're sitting back here going, oh, we're laughing about it. You can't take them seriously. They don't, they don't really want to see a lot of people die. They don't want to see 2 billion people die. Really? Well, they're telling you that. Maybe we should start taking them seriously. You know? Maybe listen to what they say and take them at their word. Because this is what they believe. But it also explains why commodity prices, meaning in this case energy prices, must skyrocket. And it's why they are. Again, uh, uh, coal. 10-year-plus highs. Natural gas, uh, highest prices since 2012. Today, natural gas today was up a uh, big day today again. Uh, would make it, what, another eight, nine-year high today. Natural gas today up almost 2%. Oil today up almost 3%. Uh, oil now back over $72 a barrel, $72.67 last, to two, up two twenty one a barrel. That's a big 3.1% move higher, actually. And uh, and again, natural gas. You're seeing, you know, nuclear is just going crazy. Uranium is uh, going crazy. Um, and this is what we think is going to continue. It won't be straight up, but this group is probably the, along with precious metals, this group is probably right now the cheapest group there is. It's interesting because XLE, which is the energy ETF, you know, even if you have gas at all, you know, at what twelve year highs, coal at t- ten year highs, uh, <clears throat> oil. Uh, not quite at three, four-year highs, but right, right there, just, just slightly below. Here you have XLE, the energy ETF. It's still $6 a share below its 52-week high, right? There is an opportunity there. This is what we've been investing in. We think, uh, again, it won't be straight up, but there's a lot of opportunity in energy stocks. And uh, uh, as, uh, as the climate crazies uh, continue to try to kill as many people as they possibly can. Folks, as always, we appreciate you listening to us. Hope you come and join us full-time at VRAinsider.com, VRAinsider.com. And we'll see you back here again tomorrow after the close.